out today It's a different place All the same with a new face With strange mysteries hanging in the air People in their sane minds Swear they see you today Are you looking for the love they took away? Spooktacular greetings to all you ghoulishly amazing people out there. As always, thank you so very much for tuning in to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. <laughs> and as you could hear, I am on my mom's ranch, so you might hear a rooster cockadoodle dooling or some other type of creature. And thank you for that rooster. Those cool tunes that you just heard are courtesy of Bobby Mackey, and I'm, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. Phobias. We all have that one thing that we're terrified of, right? I mean, some are afraid of heights, others petrified of snakes. One of those phobias is taphophobia. Any guesses what that is? Time's up, my friends. Tapophobia is the fear of being buried alive. I can say that's a pretty healthy fear to have, right? I mean, who the hell wouldn't be terrified of something like that? Being buried alive. Talk about horrifying, terrifying ways to die. Unfortunately, looking back in history, this was not such a rare occurrence. There are hundreds upon hundreds of cases where people were buried alive. And I'm going to talk about a few of those incidents later on. As a child, I was in New Orleans spending time with my namesake Tess and her husband. Such a sweet couple, love them dearly, always have a great time with them and a full belly when I'm visiting them in the Cajun city. When I was there for the first time, I believe I was around 11 or 12, and Tess shared with me that a long time ago, the very dreaded and extremely deadly yellow fever came to the Crescent City, attacking with full force and claiming countless victims. It was a gruesome and unforgiving epidemic. And between the months of July and October, it wiped out 10% of the residents in New Orleans. In 1853 alone, the yellow fever, also referred to as the American plague, claimed 7,849 people. But there was more than one outbreak. Between the outbreaks, which started in 1817 and the most recent being in 1905, the total deaths was an excruciating 41,000. And I need to just cut a break real quick. If you guys end up hearing some weird sounds, like licking sounds, we have a little kitten that we rescued a while back. And she has a boo-boo that she has bandaged up and she is just licking, licking, licking like crazy. And so... Hey, you just kicked me. So anyways, as a child, I remember listening intently and soaking up every single word as Tess described how the people, unfortunate enough to catch this deadly plague, would literally turn them yellow, also known as jaundice. Many, they would be in a comatose state. So many people were suffering from the American plague, also known as yellow fever, that bodies were taking over homes and streets. And sometimes one could unfortunately not tell if the person was dead or in a coma-like state. But they had to do something with all these bodies, so they were all buried. But since there was a decent amount of uncertainty if the person passed over or not, 
it was decided that they should start putting bells in the believed deceased person's hands. So if by chance they do happen to be buried alive, there's a chance they will be heard and will ultimately and hopefully be saved. They bury these people and suddenly, not too long afterwards, they could hear bells chiming away. While some thought it was ghosts or spirits or wraiths, others were more quick-moving and started going to where the bells came from. While a small number may have been retrieved and may have been saved, it was too late for most of them. Many have claimed to hear those bells still jingling to this very day. Saved by the bell. It's not just the TV show with that goofy son of a gun screech. That term originated as, believe it or not, an expression related to being buried alive. Or some believe it to be a boxing term, and that's okay. But I choose to believe it to be... Being buried alive! Oh my goodness! Many well-known people, including George Washington and Edgar Allan Poe, had this severe phobia. In 1769, Lord Chesterfield was quoted saying, All I desire for my own burial is not to be buried alive. I mean, isn't that a dead ringer for him? I don't know. Me and Lord Chesterfield, we go way back. And while on his deathbed, the first U.S. president, George Washington, had a request saying, Have me decently buried, but do not let my body be put into a vault in less than two days after I am dead. One man, Robert Robinson, had a movable glass pane inserted in his coffin. His mausoleum had a door for a watchman to be able to have easy access to check in on his body. And when he died in 1791, in his will, he instructed that his family routinely check up on his grave to make sure that he was indeed dead. And guess what? He was, thankfully. In 1890, a family had designed and built an escape vault in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It was even lined with felt, so if the person did indeed awaken, they wouldn't hurt themselves when they thrashed around. And they would remove the bodies from the casket before internment, just in case. Some people have been instructed that upon their death before burial to cut their arteries. That may sound goofy, but this phobia, it's no damn joke. Special caskets, they are known as safety coffins. Ever see the 2018 film, The Nun? You can see one of those bad boys in that movie. Like many products, there were different types of safety coffins with different features. Some (laughs) even included pyrotechnics while others had escape hatches, ladders, and feeding tubes. Well, they had all these nifty things. Many producers of these safety coffins forgot one thing, and it's a kind of a very important thing. Something to provide air. And with just the mention of feeding tubes, in 1822, a doctor named Adolf Gutsmuth had came up with his own safety coffin model. And he would be buried alive in it many times in front of an audience demonstrating how to get out of this coffin. His design, it had a feeding tube. He would stay buried underground for several hours at a time. One time he even ate a nice full meal, which consisted of soup, marzipan, 
bratwurst, sauerkraut, spatzel, beer, and for dessert, prinzregententorte. And I'm sure I said that wrong. Sorry about that. It's a Bavarian tort, which consists of usually seven layers of cake sandwiched with chocolate buttercream and topped with apricot jam and a dark chocolate glaze. It's kind of like a specialty dessert like Dobages in New Orleans, which, by the way, it's my mom's birthday tomorrow, and I just made her a killer Dobage cake. Takes me all day to make, but it's so rich, so delicious, and so worth it. Ganache, buttercream frosting, custard, layers of cake, all homemade by yours truly. You want to come over and have a bite? Let's do this. So, okay, went off track a little bit, but isn't it impressive that the doctor was able to have all this via his feeding tube underground in his casket? And in 1829, just a few years later, another doctor came up with his own technique. Dr. Johann Gottfried Taberger designed a system using a bell, which would alert the cemetery's night watchman. The body would have strings attached to his feet, his hands, and even his head. He even had a housing protection over the bell so it wouldn't ring if it was like raining or, you know, wind or something like that. He had an air tube, and if the bell did indeed ring, the watchman would then have to insert a second tube in which he would pump air into the coffin, allowing the person to breathe until he or she could be exhumed. And close to the end of the century in 1897, Count Michael de Carnes Carnicki patented his own safety coffin. He called it Le Carnis. He demonstrated it at an event in 1898, and he was proud of his coffin. He worked really hard on it, as his design would actually detect movement in the coffin, in which case it would then open a tube to provide air immediately. At the same time, it would raise a flag and ring a bell to alert people above ground. But, you know, unfortunately, this model was so sensitive that, you know, corpses do tend to move a little as they decompose from time to time. So the slightest movement would ring the alarms. In one demonstration, actually, it was crazy. His assistant was buried alive and the signals failed. If it weren't for the breathing tube, he surely would have died. In the 1930s, a man named Thomas Purcell created a special crypt for him and his entire family. Each grave was felt-lined, and each member was buried with tools and boards and bread. That was Thomas's worst fear, being buried alive. In fact, he was absolutely terrified of the possibility of this happening to him or someone that he loved. To this day, there are people out there who have specific instructions in their will about burials. I mean, some involve glass caskets, while others request there be breathing tubes and oxygen tanks added to their coffins. In 1995, a modern safety coffin was patented. It includes an emergency alarm, an intercom system, a flashlight, a monitor and stimulator, and a breathing apparatus. I wonder how much one of those bad boys cost. I saw a picture of one, and I believe it was an ad. It was an escape vault. Each grave was built as a hatch that would be open from the inside, and it reads... Premature burial is impossible when this vault is used. A person could live for hours in one of the compartments or any rate, long enough to open the cover by turning the hand wheel. And with the possibility of being buried alive, why not go that route, seriously? 
However, one must wonder to themselves, has anyone ever survived being buried alive by escaping one of these safety chambers, vaults, mausoleums, or coffins? No. At least there was no existing documents or cases saying someone indeed did survive. That's not to say that it never has happened, but none that we know of, unfortunately. And these days with embalming, I think they'd catch the fact that someone is still breathing and alive instead of a premature burial. Thank God. There have been many cases when a body is taken to the morgue only to suddenly be alive. Not too terribly long ago, in 2001, it was reported that a funeral home in Ashland, Massachusetts, received a body bag with a live one in it. The shocked funeral director discovered the living person, called an EMT, ambulance came over, yada yada. Thankfully, she was awake and didn't have to experience the premature burial or live embalming. Don't know which one's worse. And just a week ago, I read a news article about a Detroit woman who EMTs declared dead. They tried to revive her for about 30 minutes or so, couldn't do anything else as much as they wanted to or tried. She's in the morgue when suddenly the mortician finds her alive. And this happened just days ago. I mean, it's scary to think that the human body, right, can go into such a deep slumber of a state, going like comatose, where it's believed to have passed over into the afterlife. While Washington requested two days before burial, after the supposed death, many request three days or longer before burial or cremation. Many times during the 18th and 19th centuries, while exhuming bodies on more than one occasion, it was revealed that people were buried alive. The proof was it in the pudding. Or in this situation... The casket. It's like something straight out of a horror movie. The coffins bearing signs. Deep scratch marks. The face contorted in a severe panicked look. Bloody, torn, and sometimes broken fingernails. Desperately trying to get out of their private prison. That is, the coffin. Or you can always do what Uma Thurman's character in Kill Bill 2 Beatrix Kiddo, or Beatrix Kiddo, does when she finds herself being buried alive. Punch the holy shit out of that casket. Not gonna lie, that was a pretty intense scene, and just watching it makes me feel claustrophobic. Another phobia that too many people deal with on a daily basis. One man who didn't want to meet this fate, like Beatrix Kiddo. His name was Timothy Clark Smith. The doc went through severely great precautions to ensure that this would never, ever, ever, ever happen to him. His specific arrangements had many specialties added to his burial chamber. This included a bell and a long air tube that emerged from his grave. The lid of his coffin was actually a four-foot window. and Believe it or not, it was positioned at ground level so people could actually look down and wave at him. He even went as far as having a hidden staircase that was built underground right next to his body so that if he was buried alive, he could simply uh, wake up, lock up those stairs, and into the real world again. That would be quite the thing to see, right? I mean, something like out of a movie. 
and it would be kind of neat to see those stairs. Take a stroll through Evergreen Cemetery in beautiful New Haven, Vermont, and you can probably find his final resting place. I just love going to cemeteries and love searching for unique headstones, and I think that one could probably be thrown in the pile. For those who are wondering, he was not buried alive. When he died, he was very well, 100% dead. But hey, I'd rather have an elaborate backup plan like a secret underground stairwell and not need it than need it and certainly not have it. Now, I'd like to spend some time talking about some cases. One that caught my attention was the buried alive case of Alice Blunden. The year was 1674. She was married to a man named William, and she was actually referred to as a fat, gross woman. Now, when I read about it, it didn't specify if William, her husband, would call her that, or other people, or... You know, whoever wrote that article was just not having a good day or something. But one night, she made herself a cup of poppy water and found herself in an intense deep slumber. William was on a business trip in London and was notified that his wife had passed away. He wanted to come back, but he couldn't because he was on business and he couldn't get back right away. So he asked them if they could like hold off on burying her. And they said no because of her being a larger person it would get bloated and with it being super hot, it just wouldn't be good. So they buried her. And a few days later, little kiddos were playing by the cemetery when they heard a muffled voice coming from the freshly dug grave. Others heard it too. The grave was frantically dug up. What they saw, I'm sure, stayed with them until their dying breath. (gasps) The woman was beaten and battered. She was covered in bruises and she had blood on her. And she wasn't like that when they put her in the ground. No, no, she wasn't a vampire. No, she didn't just lose a fight to Holyfield. Alice was buried alive. And, like the time before, Alice was non-responsive. They lowered her back into the ground, put a sheet over her head, and made plans for the coroner to come and inspect the body the following morning. Boy, you know, were they in for a damn surprise when they returned to the burial location... Someone who was there described the scene. They found that she had torn off a great part of the winding sheet, scratched herself first in several places, and beaten her mouth so long till it was all in gore blood. You know, this poor woman, she was buried alive not once, but twice. Seriously, I just like, I can't even imagine. That must have been absolutely terrifying. Another case takes us to 1885. For reasons unknown, a man named Jenkins was exhumed. And when he was, the state that his body was in, well, it was utterly shocking to say the least. His body was found completely turned over into a different position than when he was lowered into the ground. A bunch of his hair had been viciously and wildly torn out of his skull. And you could clearly see scratch marks on the coffin's interior. I mean, again, what a horrible way to go. Can't imagine the fear one experiences when they find themselves in an unfortunate situation just like this. A year later, in Ontario, a young girl was exhumed, and she was found with her knees tucked up under her body, kind of like a fetal position, if you will, and her burial shroud was absolutely torn to shreds. Another case is much more recent and takes us to Brazil, where a sweet little two-year-old boy had caught pneumonia and was declared dead. The grieving family take their son's body home so they can prepare for the wake and the funeral. They're having the in-home wake kind of thing like a lot of people do. 
The child, he's lying in his casket. It's open so those grieving can visit with him one last time. When suddenly the little boy raises himself up from the dead and from the casket, he's sitting there in front of his shocked family and friends. He looks at his dad and says, Daddy, can I have some water? He then lays back down and passes away. This time, he doesn't rise up again. The doctors come, they examine the child who just rose from the dead and even spoke, but it was no use. He was gone for good this time. I mean, I can't even imagine what that family went through. First of all, he dies, he comes back to life. They think, oh my God, we have our son back. And then he dies for good. Just can't imagine. And uh, truly a miracle, but then he leaves again. So sweet angel, please rest in peace. And just a few short years ago in 2015, a case popped up where police were investigating a woman who was buried alive in Greece. The poor thing was in the battle of her life, cancer. The medications that doctors had given her to help fight the cancer put her in a deepened slumber state and made her unresponsive. It wasn't until after she was shortly buried that her family could hear her screaming in the cemetery. Authorities were notified, she was exhumed, but it was too late for this poor unfortunate soul. Investigations show that she died of heart failure while inside the coffin. Another recent case takes us to Russia, where a woman was mistakenly declared dead by the doctors. At her funeral, she's lowered into her grave, and as dirt is being thrown onto her, she flings open the casket, and with the shock of being buried alive, it proves too much for her heart. She collapses right then and there, and she dies. I mean, really dies this time. Like, how horrible is that? Don't fret, though, not all the cases discussed end badly. One elderly woman suffered what was thought to be a fatal head injury. And like the little Brazilian boy, the woman's family planned an in-home wake. The mourners came to pay their respects, but when they came into the room, to their shock and horror, the coffin was empty. They heard sounds coming from the kitchen, and to their absolute amazement, they found the not-so-deceased 95-year-old woman in the kitchen preparing a meal. When asked, she told them she had slept and woken up quite hungry, so she thought she'd cook something. That's almost like, you know, you'd see that on a comedy or something. It's just too much. Happy ending, and I guess this case was not so much of a buried alive type of thing, but at 95 years old, I doubt she would have survived having to dig her way back up to the Earth's surface. Shit, I'm in my 30s, and I doubt I could do that. Now, these cases were accidental, mind you. They were huge, gigantic, catastrophic, deadly accidents, but they were still accidents, not intentional. Well, a long time ago, centuries ago, being buried alive was actually a form of punishment. Like in Denmark, around 1269, a female adulterer would find herself being buried alive, and not by men. Thank you, I'm here all day. This was a law made by Queen Margaret I. Also, female thieves had this form of punishment as well death by being buried alive. So what about the men? Well, the men didn't get off scot-free. They would be beheaded. 
In the early 1500s in Osberg, a 12-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl, along with a cook, conspired to murder their master. The boy, while well, he was beheaded, while the girl and the cook, they were buried alive. All female murderers died this way. It's not like now where, you know, murderers spend decades living on people's dime behind bars. Around that same time in Germany, that was the case too. Not only would they be buried alive, but they would be impaled through the heart. No job too big or small for Vlad the Impaler. In 1570, there was a case in France where the verdict commanded that the executioner place the accused in the grave while still alive. Quote, place two layers of thorns, the one beneath and the one above her. Prior to that, he should place a bowl over her face in which he made a hole, and to give her through that in order that she would live for a longer time and expiate the evil act she was condemned for, a reed slash tube into the mouth. Then jump three times upon her, and lastly, clover her with earth, unquote. You know, when it comes to this case, some of the noble women had mercy and she was instead drowned instead of being buried alive. Either way, the gal's gone. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends, wherever you go to listen to your other awesome podcasts like Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, wherever you go, you'll probably find Paranormal Prouders Podcast. And this week's special city shoutouts go to Sherwood Park, Canada, West Des Moines, Iowa, Edison, New Jersey, Miranda, California, and Milton, Georgia. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys are all rock stars. Be sure to check out next week's newest episode released Monday mornings. See you next week.